This is Ella Martin from 889 The Bridge, KMIH Mercer Island, and today I have with me a guest for an interview. And so much like we are now, my next guest has lived and worked through a critical historical time for our country, except exchange of virus for riots. With me today, I have my dad, John Martin, and he's here to talk about his time spent teaching and living during the Rodney King riots of the 90s in Southern California. John has lived and worked in many places, but these might just be some of the most exciting stories. So thank you so much for joining me today, John. Thanks, Ella. <laughs> and so when exactly did you spend your time in California? So I taught at Pasadena High School in Los Angeles uh, from 1990 to 1992. Okay. And lived in Los Angeles proper, the Los Feliz neighborhood, when I taught in Pasadena. Got it. And how long did you teach there? Uh, two years, two school years. Got it. And what was your living situation like? Uh, I shared uh, the first floor of a house with a buddy of mine that I taught with in that Los Feliz neighborhood. And would you say you liked your living situation? Like, would you live there again? Or if you were to do it over again, would you go somewhere else? I think in my early 20s, it was perfectly fine. It was kind of um, dingy and in the city and and just around the corner from a couple of bars and restaurants and Sunset Boulevard and some places in LA that if you were a little older or you had kids or you were married, you may not choose to live there, but we were young and and sort of carefree and it was a good place for us to live and just be able to walk and get um, a drink or something to eat or, or just kind of goof around a little bit. That sounds nice. And, um... So what would an average day look like for you when you were on the job? Um, I was usually up by about uh, 5.30 or 6, in the car by about 6.30 or 6.45, up to Pasadena, which took at that time of day maybe maybe a half hour um, in time for the start of school, regular sort of high school hours. I think we must have started a little bit before 8. Um and then school, the school day went from sort of typical 8 to 2.30 or 3. And then I always coached. I either coached football or baseball. And then the, so the coaching would go until, say, 5 or 5.30. And then uh, my buddy also coached. He coached soccer and um, another kind of random sport or club or two. And so we'd carpool back and... Um, Sometimes we stop at the old Trader Joe's that was not very far away and grab a bite to eat or something to eat, and or we would um, just do something cheap, some pasta or some, you know, whip up something like that. Or we'd stop. There was a local little uh, burrito place, and for five bucks you get a burrito that was about as big as a plate, and that was about as exciting as it, as it got in a given in a given weekday. And if um, I'm remembering right. That's the original Trader Joe's, isn't it? Or one of them? The original Trader Joe's was in a community called Monrovia, or South Pasadena, actually, which was more or less in between where we taught and where we lived. And so sometimes we did stop at the original, which was kind of a funky place and fun because at the time we didn't really think of it as anything special other than the place where you could get relatively inexpensive good 20-something food like peanut butter-filled pretzels and, um, you know, 
stuff to pull out of the freezer and heat up and, and all that kind of easy stuff. Yeah. Okay. And what were some of the most challenging things or events that you faced while teaching during the riots and why? So Pasadena High School was a very diverse high school. The community, that part of Pasadena was very um, diverse. So it was about um, 40% African-American kids, 40% Latino kids, 10% Middle Eastern and Armenian kids, and about 10% Asian or white kids. So it was a real mix of kids at the school, which made for... um, there were also a lot of um, a lot of gang activity in Los Angeles and in Los Angeles County at the time, and Bloods and the Crips. And Pasadena was a blood gang high school, and so and then the um, Latino kids had their own gangs, and so you just always had to worry about tensions flaring up at the school between and among the different groups of kids or just individual kids because it would flare up and and get could get violent pretty quickly. And that was an everyday issue. Yeah. And you just had to stay, just kind of stay on top of it and keep your eyes open. And we had a, we had a security force at the high school of six security guards. And we also had a very practical sort of down to earth administration who was, that was always sort of keeping their eyes on the kids and, and any potential trouble. But when the King thing, when the King verdict happened in, I think it was April of uh, 92. It was like pouring gasoline on a fire. And there were a lot of people in the greater Los Angeles community who were incredibly unhappy about how the LAPD treated people, particularly people of color at the time. They had a very poor reputation and a lot of the things that you read about now and a lot of the shootings and a lot of the BLM issues that you that people talk about and they hear about were were definitely part of the situation in LA County at the time in Southern California with the LAPD and they could be pretty brutal so when Rodney King was arrested uh several months before the trial of the of the officers who who beat him, it was one of the first times, I think, in the U.S. where people saw actual video of a fairly brutalized arrest. He was really beaten very badly by the officers who were arresting him. And then when they got off or were exonerated in court, the community just lost it. And people just didn't know what to do with all that anger and all that frustration. And so the city burned basically for a couple of days and some people got hurt and a lot of businesses, particularly in South Central L.A., um, between downtown and sort of over by USC and the, and the L.A. Coliseum um, were destroyed. I mean, entire neighborhoods were destroyed, entire businesses were destroyed, and there was an enormous amount of looting, um, including in the area where I lived, which is was just um, north, just directly north of that area in what amounts to sort of east, the East Hollywood area of Los Angeles. Yeah, and so you can definitely see 
Would you say that you can see a lot of similarities with those events, with events that have happened today or this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the time, it was... It was very, it felt very spontaneous, whereas some of the BLM um, protests and some of the things that have happened in 2020 have felt more organized. Neither one of those is either good or bad. It just has felt as though there were some spontaneous reactions in 2020, and then over time it became more organized and there there was different messaging and different... um, uh, different groups of people trying to express themselves in different ways around the country. And it was very national. The King verdict, although it definitely affected other cities around the country and there were some very bad riots around the country, was, I think, at its most dramatic and most violent in Los Angeles itself, where King was actually from Pasadena and was known to people... And obviously it had to do with the LAPD. So it was very LA centric at the time. Got it. And so how did those events, if they lined up with your um, teaching days, how did they affect kind of school life? So unfortunately, during that same period in April, what a lot of the students did, not a lot of the students, but a few of the students took advantage of the larger situation. And we continued to have school during that period. I don't think we had school immediately after, but then we tried to get the kids back in school as soon as possible. And some of the kids took advantage of the situation and committed some fairly random acts of violence in the school. Um, and how would um, how would you kind of control that or take care of that as an authority figure? Honestly, what we ended up doing was calling the school day short and limiting some of the instructional periods in the school days to just let the air go out of it a little bit because there was so much anger and so much um, frustration and and on the part of some of the kids, I understood that they were frustrated and angry, but some of the kids were also um, as people will do sometimes we're just looking for an excuse to take it out on some people in ways that were uh, frankly just behaving very badly for 15 14 year old kids yeah i'm sure so we just sort of let the air go out of it a little bit and then once we started back at school full-time class after class several days later it was um a little bit more of a reasonable environment it wasn't that people didn't weren't still upset or they didn't have legitimate feelings about what had happened related to the verdict and and the original incident but people had sort of cooled down a little bit and yeah. we, were, we were able to go back to school um and how would you say you were able to balance kind of being an authority figure and a teacher in those situations but then also being able to empathize with the kids because you weren't too much older than them and you they understood what was happening yeah, I mean, there's only, I would never be able to empathize with them in terms of being young and African-American or young and Latino yeah. and dealing with an authority figure like an LAPD officer or a L.A. County Sheriff's deputy. But I could understand what it meant to be younger and I could understand what it meant to be 
in their world somewhat because I was around them and I taught them every day and they shared with me a lot of their frustrations and a lot of the things that they had to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So the best that I could do as their teacher under those circumstances, and I taught English and social studies to ninth graders then, was to just take a break from what was our regular curriculum and try to work through some of what we were talking about related to the King issues. Yeah, and did you feel that that kind of helped them almost unwind a little bit and I, kind of get their frustrations out? I think so. I think it gave them an opportunity in a, in a relatively safe environment in a classroom with other kids like them to just vent a little bit and to not have anybody who was going to be an authority figure shut them down immediately because they felt uncomfortable with what they were saying or how they were saying it. Yeah. And so um, we're running a little low on time, but I have one more question. (laughs) And um, if there's any big thing that you've taken away or that you could have taken away from your time teaching and living in that environment, what would it be? And how has it kind of either helped you or affected you in life? Well, I I think being in that environment was very helpful for me because when you're in when you're in a school district like that or in a school like that i think at the time there were something like 62 languages spoken in that school district yeah very diverse right very diverse very interesting mix of kids and their parents and their grandparents aunts and uncles and everybody involved with with that community and it forces you to understand and accept the world for what it is and all its different sort of all its different aspects and characteristics and perspectives because everybody in the world is there in that school. Yeah. There's very little um there's very little homogeneity. So you can't get by with with any kind of uh um prejudice or bias for very long because you're going to be confronted by somebody else's perspective almost immediately. Definitely. And I think that's a very healthy thing for people to have, to be confronted by that and to have to address that and to have to sort of roll with a lot of different perspectives. It doesn't mean that all those different perspectives are right all the time. It just means that they are, they exist, and you're confronted by them. And you just have to make some adjustments to the way you live your life and the way you think about things. I think it's a very healthy thing. That, I agree with that although I don't have the same perspective as on it as you do but thank you so much for sharing about your time living in California and your perspective on those things and it was kind of fun or not fun that's probably the wrong word but it was interesting to see how it relates to recent events and um just like that so thank you so much for having me interview you John (laughs) thank you Ella it was very nice to chat with you yeah and so That is my interview for KMIH The Bridge, Mercer Island. Thank you so much. It's Ella Martin.